Welcome to Life, the ultimate choose-your-own-adventure game with hosts Cliff Ravenscraft and Daphne Scott. Join this dynamic duo as they explore the profound concept of life as a thrilling adventure, blending ancient wisdom and modern psychology. Embrace the joy of living with presence, creativity, and playfulness. It's time to navigate the game of life together. Are you ready to play? Let the adventure begin. Let the adventure begin. <laughs> Let the adventure begin. It has begun Let, already. Begin. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called having a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, and today, it, I think it's fitting because today we are talking about mindfulness. What is it? Okay. I don't, you know, I'm bold to even ask that question, I think. Uh, I don't know that we're going to define that today. However, that is what we're talking about. And I think having a backup is part of the whole plan. You know, it can be part of the plan. So we're going to be talking about mindfulness today. What is it? What does it mean? And Cliff, I want to dive right into this. I'm going to, because we start, you know, we always have a little ramp up. We're, we're kind of chatting before the show, you know, before we hit record. And, and we said, okay, here's the topic today. And I want you to talk a little bit about your process because I put the outlines together. I kind of choose the topic and I give us some, what I call it a, a foothold. It's just a jumping off point. I don't know where the show's going to go. I don't know. What, I don't know really what I'm going to say. I don't know what you're going to say, but you said something. And I thought this is great when we talk about mindfulness, because I think mindfulness, there's the idea that there's some intentionality, which would imply some future planning maybe, but there's also another maybe. part, maybe, right. There's another maybe. part of this. So talk a little bit about your process of getting, of, of how much work you go through Cliff to get ready for the show. Yeah. So we were talking briefly and said, you had asked me, how do you feel like last week went? And I'm like, I felt like it went great. It's, it's the way that I typically show up. Um, and, and as long as you're happy, cause I think of this primarily as your show, it lives on your brand and stuff like that. And I'm delighted to co-host this with you. And I'm like, as long as you're happy with how last week went, that's how I like to show up. Yeah. And so what I had said was I, looked over the outlines just to see what topic you had chosen. I saw a little bit of a, a, a brief overview from above about where you're thinking our conversation might go. And I make it my intention to prepare nothing at all <laughs> as to what I might contribute to said topic <laughs> in advance. And the reason why is first, I want to make sure that I know what the topic is and that I have some level of of understanding of at least what the topic is. And as long as that's the case, then what I want to do is I just want to go with the flow in the moment rather than thinking, oh, my gosh, Daphne had in the outline. She was going to ask me this. And I was really looking forward to really showing my stuff yeah. by giving this response. And she never asked that question. It was in the outline. <laughs> and I and spent so hours I, researching it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, it's like that's the one thing that I thought I could contribute to the show. But instead, what I want to oh, do is man. I'm like, okay, I got to feel where Daphne's going with this. And I, you know, in the moment, my intuition will guide me not my memorization. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So I have a similar experience and I think this is why, you know, I've understood that frameworks can be helpful. And at the same time, there is this beauty of being in the moment and that is all of my training in improvisational theater and what you were describing, you know, fits into this and what you were describing clip, how you were talking about, look, this is, 
this is where I'm, how I'm coming to this and how I'm showing up to this. And I have no idea, no doubt about your ability to be present with the show. And when you were talking about that, that's also what came to me is like all my training in improvisational theater, there were frameworks, there were things that you're taught to help you, you know, interact with one another when you're on stage, but there's no script. <laughs> and what you just described, the minute that you get in your head, oh, I'm going to say this because it'll be really funny, right? You, we call, actually, we call it in one of the books that I read, they call it being in hell because you're not present. You're not responding or reacting to what's going on in front of you, to the person that's in front of you. And boy, it was a real, it was a real tempting thing to do just to kind of get your own agenda. Yeah. yeah. And you just miss the whole, you miss the whole plot then. You know, I call it. You just you just said something, <laughs> Daphne, and I know this may be nitpicking down to the detail. Do it. But the funny thing is, is who I was 45 minutes before we went live reviewing what the topic is and what I might contribute to who I am right now. I'm a completely different person. <laughs> no, Really? I I genuinely mean that. I because because so much has transpired between forty five minutes ago or forty five minutes before we hit record today. Yeah, I was upstairs in the kitchen. My wife was upstairs getting ready. We have um, our daughter's dog here with our dog, and so they're running around the kitchen. And I'm reading the outline, and I'm thinking about okay, this is what the topic of the show is, and and I'm in a completely different state of mind. I'm in a state of being. I'm in a completely different environment. And so what I would have been thinking about sharing intentionally prescriptive or whatever, I, I would have been coming from a different place than where I am now. Since then, my wife came down, relieved me of the duties of caring for the dogs. I came down here and I'm setting things up. And now you and I have gotten into the back end of StreamYard and we're talking <laughs> about how the technical aspects are going, different options for bringing in jingles and all this other stuff. And you and I are in a, I mean, I, interacting with you brings forth from me a different state of being than me having the dogs in the in, in, so in essence i'm a different person i'm in i'm coming from a different place i'm in a in a different state than i was when i was upstairs and so what i might say regarding any topic would be completely different this 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 is a this is the now version of cliff ravenscraft yeah so I'm just going to go with that. So you mean you're, you're not just a static fixed entity? No, I'm <laughs> ever evolving. <laughs> we all are, you know, um, well, this fits in great with the idea of mindfulness, I think, because there is this experience that we have of thinking that the me that is me is me, right? Like I have a name that I didn't choose, by the way, I've kept it. I could change it, but I've just, I've chosen to, I guess, I guess to keep it. And with that comes the identity, right? That, 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 that there is a person, there's a, this entity called Daphne and Daphne has an identity and that identity likes certain things and it doesn't like other things. And when we start, I'm going to call it subscribing <laughs> to that idea, then I lose the essence of the change that actually, I'm going to say change, the change that's actually happening, but I lose the essence of the, of sort of the reality, the more less conventional reality that 
this isn't a fixed entity over here. It is ever evolving. It is ever changing. It It is ever, um, if I let go of this idea that there's a fixed thing over here, that there's this Daphne over here, I can see where it does have this flow that goes through its natural um, yeah, process. It becomes more of a process. That's what I would say. There's more of a process over here than a fixed entity. So I love that you brought that up because I think when to to plan, there's some beauty to planning, love planning. And we're at the beginning of the year, right? So I have people have goals and, and resolutions, however they want to, you know, projects, things they want to do. I do too, uh, as far as the eye is concerned. And there's also this beauty. There's this other level of a deeper truth, I think, that um, at least in my experience, that says it's not as fixed as we think it is. I'm not as fixed as I think I am. And there's a real beauty to that. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. You're like the cliff that happened, that was here 45 minutes ago. No, like, the cliff that was here one minute ago isn't really here, right? Uh, it's it reminds me of It reminds me of Taylor Swift. Are you familiar with her reputation? And she's like, I'm sorry, I, Taylor can't come to the phone yes. right now <laughs> yes. because she's dead or something of like that I don't, I don't know if that's the line but yes uh, she did say something but yeah that 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 version of me no longer exists this is the this is the this is the present moment taylor yeah and i really love that line i love that imagery it reminds me of eastern philosophy and i'll never forget hearing this i think it was from sad guru the very first time i ever heard this where he talked about what is personality he says, you know, many of us think we have a personality and and personality comes from the room uh, root word persona. And and it's another word for mask, like Greek yes. plays. They would have a persona and and it was a, a mask that you speak through and they would have just a handful of actors. Like, let's just say three or four actors on a stage. But each actor on the stage would actually play multiple roles throughout the entire production. And so an actor would come out and they would hold one mask or persona and they would play that role. They would play out that story, that narrative, that identity. And then they would go behind and they would come out and have another persona. And he says, here's what happens. Sometimes... Somebody will have glue on the persona, stick it to the face, it gets stuck. <laughs> now you have a personality. That's right. So a personality is nothing more than a mask that got stuck on your face. Yes. And sometimes it fits real well and other times not so well, right? Like that's us wanting to, yeah, to make things and certain. It, and it goes with the the title of our show, Life, the ultimate choose your own adventure game but as soon as we subscribe that if i'm going to carry the identity cliff ravenscraft yep. all right so that that's a name a, a label again i could change that just like you but if i continue to carry this if i subscribe using your language to the idea that cliff is this he's an enneagram such and such he's a yep. ntf whatever j whatever uh he's this he's that then all of a sudden if i subscribe to all of those things that it that, that all of a sudden now i am limited in the choices i make yes within this adventure called life that's exactly and it. i and I love the fact that, you know what, I am Cliff Ravenscraft and I'm an ever evolving second by second, millisecond by millisecond divine spiritual being having an experience called life. Yeah. And it can be anything I want to create. Anything. 
anything. And I could continue and, and I could have that full blown experience and still choose to say, you know what? It would be easier to interface with my world as I'm currently interacting if I just choose to stick with the name Cliff Ravenscraft. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of makes things easier. Yeah, it's it's helpful. <laughs> right? Like like I when I call you, I'm like, hey Cliff, you're like, oh, you're talking to me. Hello. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, you. <laughs> it is funny though how many people when when they come through a spiritual awakening there's so many spiritual paths where changing your name choosing a different yes. name is such a part of that process and and I value and appreciate that practice. Yes, and I've known several people who have done that, right? They don't identify anymore in that way and so they feel that's a little bit I mean it's to me it's sort of like rearranging the furniture in your house. You know, your environment is my environment right now in this room that I'm sitting in is representative of what is happening right now in my life. And I have changed this space. As a matter of fact, (laughs) getting ready to do this show, I changed the space up again. I moved my, I had drums sitting over here, my electric drums. I moved those all into my drum studio. I mean, I just really rearranged. I moved my desk into a different part of the room. There was, there was some change in the space itself that wanted to happen because that's this current iteration of how, of what is showing up, you know? So yeah, yeah, our spaces, our names, however, how, whatever the things are that we, that we do that are representative of the, you know, changes that we're experiencing and going through. And then I want to go back to, and Cliff, I think this is, and we'll get more into this (laughs) mindfulness thing. And you brought up Eastern, the Eastern mysticism. So we're going to get to that too. However, I think what you said about when we get attached to you know, the sort of glue of this mask that we wear, how we can miss out on the parts of life. And I think your story that you went through, you were the, you were, and I still secretly call you the podcast answer man, just so you know, but you know, you were noticed the, <laughs> the podcast answer man, you, that was a major part of your evolution. And I think one of the things that had track attracted me so much to you not beyond your integrity was your ability to ju- to simply go through that process that evolution in your life and let go of things. And I think it would be really interesting just to have you say a few, a few bits here about you letting go of that identity and the change that you went through and the fear that you went through. And I mean, I I remember being in it, you know, and you've, and you've said a lot of this on your own podcast too, but just being in that part of your journey, which frankly, I found incredibly inspiring, (laughs) but if I think it'd be helpful to share a little bit about this too, because it fits in with this idea of intentionality and mindfulness and recognizing what's happening in our life and then being really willing to let go of an identity. So I think that'd be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little short overview is, is I used to work in insurance full time. Nobody outside of Northern Kentucky ever knew who Cliff Ravenscraft was. Always had a desire to be of uh, support, encouragement, inspiration, motivation to others to live the life that they were created to live. Started podcasting as a hobby in December, 2005. And my wife and I together, we did that and grew an audience over the course of several different shows into the hundreds of thousands of people, uh, so much so that I saw an opportunity through content creation, through podcasting, to do what I always felt most called to do in this world to the largest number of people. I'm like, ah, I wonder what life would be like if I could leave my career as an insurance agent and go do this. So that's the first transition. Yeah, right. Now, a couple of things to know couple of things to know about that. The insurance agency that I worked in was owned by my mom and dad, started by my grandfather in 1937, and I was next in line to take it over. 
Wow. So you talk about guaranteed job security. All right. And I left all, and by the way, I was incredibly successful. And expectation, by the way, I would imagine your family had some expectations of you. Yes. Well, with the exception of the fact that when my mom and dad first invited me to work in the family business, it was so that I could help them out with, with digitizing and computerizing their client-based data systems because it was all paper filing before me coming in there. And I said, listen, I will come work for you on two um, qualifications. Number one, you won't ever expect me to get my insurance license because I have no desire to sell insurance. And if I'm ever offered an opportunity to pastor a church full-time, no matter how much less money I might make, I have to have your full blessing. And they agreed to that when I had started working f- with them back in, I think it was 1996. Okay. Okay. So, so while they're, but, but over time, I will tell you that uh, I began to see insurance work as far greater ministry to at least the world at the time for me was my local geographical area here. And so, yeah, I, I, I had kind of divorced myself from the idea that I'll pastor a church one day. And I'm like, wow, insurance is lucrative. And I am so much support and help to this community of tens of thousands of people here. Yep. But that, but I did decide to leave that so that I could pursue the serving of this much greater audience and a much greater expression of who I am and not sit there and uh, fax proof of insurance cards every day to people <laughs> who forgot to take them to the courthouse. Uh, so anyway, so I began, I'm like, how am I going to make a living creating podcast content? And we had ideas. We had advertising sponsorships. And it it just kind of happened naturally that people said, Cliff, can you teach me how to podcast? Right. And I'm like, well, gosh, I, yeah, I can. And that they're like, you need to let me pay you to do that. And I'm like, well, how much would you pay for somebody <laughs> to teach? And I'm like, you're seriously? I, I'd pay you to let me talk about podcasting <laughs> for an hour. There was a whole journey about pricing and stuff. But here's here's what I left behind. And this is what Daphne is getting to. I did grow my podcast Answer Man brand to where eventually I was doing a four-week podcasting A to Z course where students paid $2,000 per student. I would host this every other month, and there was 20 to somewhere between 20 to 40 students per session. So put the math together. That was pretty lucrative. I generated millions of dollars in sales of uh, that course, millions of dollars, actually over a million dollars in sales of podcast equipment, which I was selling as a reseller. And I had trained more than 40,000 people through all of the stuff that I was doing online to successfully launch a podcast. So there are 40,000 podcasters out there that I personally introduced to the world of podcasting. And after a decade, I became absolutely mind-numbingly bored (laughs) with teaching. This isn't why I – teaching somebody how to get rid of the buzzing noise in the audio quality of their podcast was the same to me as faxing a proof of insurance card to the courthouse for you. But Cliff, you're so good at it. I was good at it, and and I could spend all day, every day, eight to ten hours a day doing yeah. it. Yeah, and I could make tons of money doing it, which yeah. I could have done in insurance as well. Yeah. I've proven that model to be financially successful, but not internally rewarding. Yeah, yep. So uh, over time, I realized what I'm really doing is not helping people launch a podcast. Yes, that's a byproduct, 
But what I recognize is the greatest value that I had was helping people discover who are who am I, uh, why am I here on this planet, what is it that I desire, and how can I overcome anything that holds me back from creating that? Yeah. And as soon as I learned that, it, it was about an 18-month transition, but I had to overcome all of my limiting beliefs about leaving yet another financially guaranteed, proven economic model for my business Yep. to go in a completely different direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I love, I think that's what I find so inspiring. And I too went, I've done that twice big, you know, in terms of changing my career, changing what I'm doing, letting go of the money. <laughs> Someone said to me one time, that story of golden handcuffs. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I get golden handcuffs. You're in the handcuffs. Somebody else has, it makes it look like they have all the gold. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks the handcuffs are gold. I'm like, oh no, no, the handcuffs aren't the gold. So letting that go, you know, I think Cliff is if is part of and you going through is part of the process and letting go of that identity. You know, not just I mean, there's a very we'll call it um, there's a very transactional part of the world, right? Which is the money and you know paying the bills and you've got a family and the whole thing and mortgage the whole thing. And there's also underneath that is the, I think the deeper part of it, which is there's an identity over there that you're also letting go of and a comfort mm. with that identity, right? There's a, there's, it's a, again, we're back to what we talked about in our first show that there's sort of this idea of certainty. Like I, I know who I am in this world. I know where I fit. This is predictable. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. Um, also, and we, and we enjoy parts of that, but to be able to let go of that, it, it, um, and you've said to me a, a couple of times, like, there's just a must that has to happen. Like the discomfort has gotten great enough. Right. Yeah. And I think that's really part of let's, let's get into this mindfulness thing, because I think that's part of, I've always, and I've said this, you know, you can come to your choices sort of, if I, if I made it binary, you could come to your choices a couple of ways. One is you can allow the discomfort to get great enough, the pain, right. To get great enough where it forces your hand to make a change. Or another option, or and another option, is that you can come to these changes through a greater vision for yourself. And That's there's, a, yeah, right. And there's probably there's probably a combination of things happening there. You're like I would imagine, in your experience, you you had some discomfort, and at the same time, though, you were you were experiencing something that was like, oh, I need to keep going over there, right? Like this is. So I don't know if that's true, but yeah, no. So for me. There was a, certainly a growing discontent on both yeah. the insurance side before I leaped into the podcast world, and then there was a growing discontent with the technical aspects of teaching podcasting and what I felt most called to do in the world. There was there was a growing discontent, and there was a pain associated with it. And if it weren't for that, which I'm thankful for in both cases— I don't know that I would have asked myself the question, I wonder what life would be like if fill in the blank, which yeah. is one of the best questions I've ever asked myself. It's the, I ever. think it's the only question I wonder. Yeah. I mean, wonder questions. And I learned that from Katie Hendricks, wonder questions, right? I wonder what it would be like yeah. if I, you know, instead of, if only <laughs> I had this, I'd be happy. And so I wonder what, it, I mean, questions are, you know, the quality of the questions we ask is everything. Right. Um, yes. I think so. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like. I wonder what it, what it would feel like. I wonder, Hmm. And those questions are 
very powerful. And that what and that's what led me to the compelling vision of the future. And there's a, some ancient wisdom from the yes. Bible that says without vision the people shall perish. Yeah. And so that without some sort of compelling idea of what you want to create or what you desire, the desires of your heart, without that compelling vision drawing you, then I, you know, I I don't know that I would enjoy the adventure of life as much as I do. Yeah. And it is so, an adventure. And and there is something to be said about the the initial pain. I, I liked the fact that it woke me up to the idea is like, hmm, maybe something else could be possible here. Yeah. And but I do want to stress that I've since been made the transition from podcast answer man to mindset answer man. And today I coach people around business mindset and strategy. Yeah. And a lot of people making a transition from corporate world into full-time self-employment or whatever, just I, I help a lot of people as entre brand new entrepreneurs or people who are transitioning from owning their own business for 30 years and they just sold it and are like, who am I now? Yeah. <laughs> for the last 30 years, this was my identity. Helping them discover that. And through this process, I've always discovered that those who are running away from pain only end up finding the same vibration of pain and suffering wherever it is they go to next. Yeah. Yes. Um, because, you know, there is this thing called law of attraction. I'm a believer in it. I don't necessarily think that everybody believes in it, but that's fine. But the thing is, though, is that if this is the if this is your experience of life, is that you're running from this, I think there's an opportunity for you to Go through and experience the pain of what you're going through and evolve through it and become the person that you desire to be without making the change. And then if you can make that change from a compelling vision standpoint, uh, chances are the problems won't lag behind Well, you and, and walk out the door with you. <laughs> well, what you're talking about, I think, Cliff, is, is again, this pattern, this fits right into mindfulness. So I'm simply making decisions to avoid something. I'm simply making decisions to avoid something versus, and, and therefore I'm in a, a reactive state, right? I'm reacting. I'm not in a responsive state, which is, yes, I don't, I'm noticing I don't enjoy doing this thing anymore, or I'm not this person that enjoys this thing anymore. This, this has run its course. And I wonder what it would be like. I'm noticing that I'm drawn to this thing over here. I wonder what it would yeah. be like to create more of this in my life. So when we're in the space of simply wanting to avoid something, then our entire world is constructed around avoiding that thing. And we can't, and I'm going to give you a real world life experience I had yesterday on an airplane. And you know how much I love. Oh, I know Daphne's you know I love, love for airplane travel. You know travel. I love for air to commercial air travel. So many suggestions, by the way, that I have for them to improve this. Anyway, besides that, <laughs> you know, if I'm wanting to avoid simply um, missing a, a connecting flight, or if I'm wanting to avoid that, then my life becomes one of missing all of the beautiful nuances that are happening in the moment because I'm only focused on avoiding this thing over there. I'm missing mm. out on, well, what can happen here? What are all the opportunities in the adventure? What are all the possibilities that I have? I don't have all the possibilities available to me because I'm only focused on avoiding this one thing. 
and it does become very restrictive and it becomes constrictive um, to our to our life. And it it and again, we're in a reactive state. So let's talk a little bit about this mindfulness thing. I think this is a nice segue. You know how I relate to this idea of mindfulness. I think there's and you've talked about it just a, a bit here. You said. Cliff, you know, you, you work with entrepreneurs and I work with people in the business world to, you know, I, I call it thriving in the nine to five. And the idea being that are they present to really what's happening, right? They're not in a threatened state. So that's the first thing. I think when we talk about being mindful, we're able to recognize when we're, when we're reacting from threat. And the other opportunity then is to get ourselves grounded enough to simply look that maybe we're not as threatened as we think we are. <laughs> Most of the time it's being threatened around our identity, right? We're not physically being threatened. That, that happens too, but we're in a, in a non-threatened, non-reactive state. And therefore our choices do look different. We, are, we have more choices available to us in this adventure and to be able to play this game. And we're not as attached. And I think this is the other part of this. We're not as attached to the outcome as we might be when we're attempting to avoid something. If I'm attempting to avoid yeah. something only, right, and I'm in a reactive, threatened state, then I am going to become very attached to that outcome. And that loses, now life starts to, to me, I describe it as life feels really dry, right? There's not a juice to it. So I don't know what your reactions are to that, but I think just sort of getting a framework around, um, and there are a lot of different definitions of mindfulness. I'll read one at the end of the show, but, you know, I think that non-reactive, non-threatened state, which by the way, I got that from um, the Conscious Leadership Group who I worked with for forever and have dear friends there, um, Diana Chapman, one of my best friends. And I thought it was a really good way of describing this sort of experience, non-threatened, non-reactive state. And I think the first step is just recognizing when we are in a threatened reactive state. (laughs) That's the first first thing, right? So I don't know how you relate to the idea of mindfulness, but I'd, I'd be curious. Well, there's so many different ways that I relate to mindfulness, but yeah. I want to share how I'm relating to what you talked about with threat, the idea of threat. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind is brainwave states. I wish in our educational system that we were taught about brainwave states. Mm. So in there's and it, and what's crazy is I tried to read a lot of books on hypnosis to understand different brainwave yeah. states, and I could never figure out anything because I know in college, I was a part of Ta Kappa Epsilon. Okay. And so I, I know the Greek alphabet at least a little bit, right? So yeah. there's alpha, beta, you know, and then delta, gamma, uh-huh. and, and, and it goes, so it goes in this order, but that's not how they categorize brainwave states. Are you aware that they're out of order? Yes. So it's, it starts with beta. beta. <laughs> all right. And there are three ranges of beta. There's high-range beta, mid-range beta, and low-range beta. And high-range beta brainwave states are a higher frequency, and, and they're, they're, it's kind of going crazy up there. Yep. And that is your fight-or-flight mode. That's right. And in fight-or-flight mode, what I've learned through my study and also my experience is when I'm in fight-or-fight mode, I have no access, seemingly, to my intuition, to internal thoughts, to being present in the moment and making a conscious decision. The only thing I can do in fight or flight is rely on what has been, what I've agreed to, what beliefs exist within me, what I've been conditioned to how to react in each and every situation. And that is programmed by television shows, movies, religious figures on stages, um, my parents, my school, 
government program, you know, messages, the all of this stuff. And so I become a puppet to my beliefs and my narratives that I've that I've subscribed to using your earlier language. Yep. In in that state, that's all I am. I I am a reactive puppet in the in this world of reality. Yeah. And then at least in mid range beta, now I can be in a crowd, but I'm still kind of like there's a perceived potential threat. And then in low range beta, that's where you and I can be in a conversation like this. We are not perceiving any threats. We're not actually on the lookout for somebody to <coughs> burst into our offices here and and threaten us. And so we're oh, able goodness. to tap into some intuition. But then Daphne, and, and by the way, so what I've just done is I've just educated hopefully some people on the three different ranges of our beta uh, conscious awake brainwave states. Yeah. Then we can drop down to, I think it's alpha is next. Yep. And when we get into alpha, all, and I can get anyone listening to us in an alpha wave brain state. And all you have to do is take just a second and I want you to breathe in and I want you to feel the warmth. I want you to feel the coolness of the air as it goes through your nasal passage and then breathe out and feel the warmth as it comes out. Now, if you did that, what you just did is you placed your energy and attention and awareness internally instead of externally. That instantly put you into an altered state of consciousness called alpha brainwave state. And that's how quickly we can drop down. Yes. And you can't do that in a high range, you know, threat, <clears throat> you know, blah, blah, blah state. Right. And so. Wow. And then all of a sudden, if I could. So, Daphne, let me ask you this just real quickly. Tell me about a birthday party that you really loved, one location where you remember being and just paint the picture of what that's like. And I and our audience is going to imagine that with you. I'm going to talk about Saturday. I celebrated with my mom her 80th birthday. And we were at my my brother's house. Him and his wife hosted all of our family there. And we had music playing and everyone was talking. And my mom was sharing stories from her life. And I got her this poster that said, here are all the things that happened in the year of your birth. It was 1944, which was an education for me, by the way, also. And she was reading that and sharing it with our, our family and talking about just memories of her life and so appreciative. And my brother wrote a poem for her and read that it was it was incredible it was an incredible evening and just to be able to be there um you know knowing so many of my friends who have lost their parents and um being able to be there with her was just a very special moment and we had a wonderful lobster dinner because that is her favorite special celebration dinner i love that and so as I matter of fact, as you were talking about this, I, I imagine your mom as 80 years old. So I'm thinking of somebody of an advanced age and I'm, I'm imagining her. I imagined her sitting on the couch in a living room in a pleasant area. I'm imagining other p family members seated around. I'm imagining the you know opening up of this bo vision board of, of all the <laughs> memories and hearing and I, and I, I'm imagining in the background the music that might be playing. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, because I'm using imagination, that is all internally focused. And that put me into what's called theta brainwave state. And the fact that we're actually still consciously awake and interacting with it, we were actually entering in and bouncing through 
alpha theta brainwave state. So now we've all and then of course there's delta brainwave state which you could get even deeper you or you could go into gamma. full on theta right. and then you could and then gamma is this amazing thing which can happen in any brainwave state but here's what i when i think about mindfulness what i think about is like wow if i find myself threatened or perceive a threat or if i perceive chaos or i am I am a, I'm definitely reacting. We, we, it's very common language today. If I'm triggered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, if I find myself <laughs> triggered, uh, if I, and I do get triggered sometimes there's sure. it's like, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> that person just said that thing and that did not feel good. And it's like, oh, okay. And so what I instantly try to do is I try to go internally and say, you know what? I am aware that I am reacting right now. I am aware that emotionally that there are chemicals that are flowing through my body that has increased my the the blood the the blood flow through my body, my increased heart rate, my breath is starting to get shortened and I am my body feels as though I am being threatened. Mm -hmm. But I've learned not to take things personally. This person what they said that doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with what they are perceiving me. It's their picture of who I am. That doesn't define who I am. And what's going on is I recognize there are still some internal beliefs that what they said is important and that it's true and that it means something negative for me and therefore could cause me harm. And then I begin to question the reality of that. Is there evidence to support that? Is there evidence to the contrary? And so for me, when I get into a mindfulness moment, I actually think about what was my brainwave state <laughs> when I actually heard it? Is the threat real? Can I bring myself? Can I breathe? Can I actually get my focus internally? Can I get into what I call the seat of awareness? Yeah. And when I get into the seat of awareness, then I can observe from the seat of the observer what's happening in my physical being and how is that interacting with my psychological belief system. And that's creating this physiological result in my body. And I'm like, oh, wow. And, and then it's like, okay, and what do, I, what do I want to create in this moment based upon all of this data? Yes. Well, well so – at the end of all of that process, you're able to ask a really powerful question. Right? What do I want to create? What do I want to create? This is the isness you've gotten. To, you've sort of ridden this wave between the reaction and acceptance, and right. It, and that's why I call like can riding waves of lives. I know that's coming. It's coming. I am going to fall into reaction. I am going to feel threatened by things. Right. That's just part of living. I want to rewind all the way to the beginning of what you said, Cliff, because you really. I think this is the whole point. When we are in that reactive state our brainwaves do change. And we know, I think most people are probably familiar with the idea of fight and flight. It is absolute true. And this is where science is so helpful <laughs> that our prefrontal cortex, our higher reasoning center goes offline. We yes. literally are reacting from the, the amygdala, the lizard part of our brain. And that is, you know, we touched on this last week. We didn't get into the whole free will conversation uh, in its entirety. But we did touch on this last week in the show too, like how, how at choice are we? Well, <laughs> I think we're getting to some of that when you're in this reactive state, 
Not very much. You are simply reacting from the things we've subscribed to, our old beliefs, ways we've been taught to handle stress, ways we've been taught to react to react in the world. You know, we've picked up these things from our caregivers, from society at large, wherever we've gotten them from, things that we've subscribed to. And there is this uh, also this ability. This is what you just described in that whole process, this ability to ride these different waves to get with sort of what's happening. And then we we land in a more powerful question, which means our brain, the bigger parts of our brain are coming back online, right? We're able to answer, yeah. ask these more powerful questions and to be in this. And so how, how you know, in my experience, it, sometimes that happens very quickly. Other times it just, it, feel, it just depends on what the thing is that has occurred for me where I've gotten, you know, reactive. And sometimes I work through that very easily and sometimes not so easily. You know, it might take me a minute. <laughs> I think that's the other real beauty, right? Um, Yes. So you've just described more so not defining what mindfulness is, but I think really talking about a process and it is a process. And I think that some of, some of when we talk about these things, putting a verb to it, like I'm mindfuling versus <laughs> I'm mindful, you know, it's what I, there's just this, these waves that come. And I think that and that fits in with the brainwave idea, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. And so what, what choices are available to us, which is really you know, and I think how we come to these things, um, there's no one right way. And I find, again, this is um, probably the thing that is the most, I think it's the, I think it's the most constrictive part of this, of this process for people is that there's, there's the searching for this one right way to do it. And if you're not doing it that right way, so you, you brought, you mentioned all the Eastern mysticism. I, I made a whole list of them. <laughs> you know, we have all, all the different ways that we can come to this thing we call mindfulness. I'm a fan of all of it, by the way, <laughs> you know, um, I am as well. Yeah. You know, we've got meditation, prayer, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, mindful, I, I list them all, mindful eating, yoga, stoicism, which has made a real revival, by the way, Confucianism, Taoism, you've been studying, I think lately, uh, reflection, yes. cont the contemplative um, approaches, gratitude practices. I mean, I could go on and on, on and on. And I think all of them are beneficial. I think all of them have their I, place. Absolutely. They're, every single one of them have their value. And if any of them don't resonate with you today, yeah. then then rather than just saying, I don't like that or I'm against that, just go find something that does resonate. Find any modality or any method that allows you to either you know address the th situations of life or cope with the situations of life or evaluate the situation whatever it is what if it's therapy or if it's spirituality no matter what whatever helps you have a higher quality of life yes and allows you to get less reactive and more creative in your life yes. That's what allows you to experience life where you can choose your own adventure. Exactly. So let's talk about in that spirit. I think this is where with all of these things, you know, let's talk about our emotional states. And I think this is really what you what you also are pointing to in your example, Cliff, which was just so well articulated. Really, our ability to emotion to I'm going to say regulate our emotions. I'm not a big fan of that language, by the way. I I. I say it because I don't have, I haven't really thought through a better way of expressing it. It always feels like you know, I'm going to regulate my emotions, meaning I'm going to have none or I'm going to become a robot in some way. I do have a reaction to the, to describing it in that way. 
I like the idea of I'm going to be very intentional about creating my emotional state. I'm like, yeah. Look, I'm finding the language as I speak. Um, yeah, I like that. And what about, and for me, as you were speaking that, you know, I, what came up for me in the moment, and I've never used this before, but I, I like to navigate yes. through my emotional state. Yes. And navigate means that occasionally when I navigate from my home in the Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, and I want to take a road trip to Nashville, I'm going to choose a path that, that I think is going to be the quickest to get what I want to experience, right? right? To my destination. But occasionally something unplanned comes along the way and there's a deviation. Yes. And so I need to navigate around and do that in the in the most efficient way possible. Now, don't get me wrong. I could, I could choose to just get angry, upset, and turn around <laughs> and say, you know, I, it's just better if I just stay at home, you know? But so I like the so what came up for me as you're it's like this idea I want to I want to navigate through the spectrum of my emotional uh, opportunities. Yes, yes, exactly. And so how we're choosing our emotional state then if we come back to fight and flight and how we're you know I think this is some of what people as I've worked with people and coached them some of what they're also desiring or a great deal of what they're desiring which makes total sense is to feel good. Like, I just, I want to feel good. I want to feel at peace, you know, feelings, emotions. I want to have the sensation of peace in, in my body. By the way, no matter what is occurring, I have not someone, had not had someone say to me, I need my life to go perfectly. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to be upset all the time. <laughs> I want, I, what I, I don't Maybe know you know. anybody who's ever consciously said that, but I do know a handful of people who seem to operate through that life that way. Yeah, I've had more. Yes, and I used. By the way, I used to be one of them. Me too. What I've experienced more is where people want to know how do they navigate life and feel good when it isn't going the way that we imagined that it would. Huh. Well. First, trade your expectation for appreciation. Yes. So if, yes. If, 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 if we are perceiving that life isn't going good, you know, well, right. if we're perceiving something it? negative, and it could, it could be a terminal illness. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we talked about my friend Dan Miller. But I can tell you right now, go and, and check out. Dan's still here. He's facing his final days on this earth. But he's not facing it in a low emotional realm of vibration, such as fear, anger, uh, you know, all of that stuff. He yeah. he is literally approaching it from a different emotional level. Yep. So, but I forgot what I was saying. the The initial insight that or uh, response that you had said, yeah, my response to what you were saying just left me. Well, it'll come back when I was thinking about. <laughs> thinking about. It. But anyway, the. Yeah, so the whole idea about emotional state, one of the things that I thought as as you were speaking is the idea that every emotional state is valuable. Yes. So that's the first thing, to appreciate fear, guilt, shame. I used to quote unquote tr say, you know what, I never want to experience these. There's nothing good that ever comes out of it, except for the fact that they're incredibly valuable tools to to help me become aware of beliefs that I've adopted yeah. that equates something 
is a threat to me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, and I want to tag that just for a second, because, and when we're wanting to avoid those things, again, when we're coming back to your appreciation, we're right back where we started, right? That's it. Right. We're right back in the aversion world and wanting to avoid it. So just to tag onto that, that's the appreciation of like, wow, I'm noticing, I feel a lot of shame or a lot of guilt around this right now. Yeah. And what's that about? So Here's my favorite metaphor of all of this. It's these lower emotional states that if you were to look up, it's called uh, The Map of Consciousness. Yeah. And there's a book by Dr. David David R. Hawkins called The Map of Consciousness Explained. Mm. And he gives this vibrational chart of emotional states. And these lower vibrational emotional states that, that calibrate below 200 and below, um, he states that, um, gosh, what is going on? I get in halfway into a situation so here excited. and I'm losing that train. I am so excited. But anyway, if we tr- the metaphor, the metaphor is where I was going yes. with. But these lower emotional states, I see them as check engine lights mm-hmm. in my car. And so I am thrilled. Okay. I am beginning a process of trying to respond with a thrill and delight in my heart when my car's check engine light comes on. You're working with it. You're working with it. I have not yet mastered this skill. So good, though. It is. By the way, I am... In in a in a in the seat of awareness, I am aware that sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on this time? How much is this thing gonna cost me? <laughs> on top, you not know is like, well, it's like, but no, if that check engine light wasn't there and it continued, if it didn't notify me of something that's not going in internally yes. within this engine and how it was designed to operate efficiently then this could be far more costly down the road if I weren't notified about it now. I'd rather spend a couple of hundred dollars, even a thousand or two thousand dollars, than to completely lose out on the tens of thousands of dollars of the investment in this car. So the check engine light. And so how much more valuable is my life when my emotional check engine lights come on. So if I get triggered into anger, if I get triggered into shame, feeling shame, if I feel a great level of guilt or you know of loss and all of this other stuff, it just alerts me that, hey, something's going on internally and the way that I am perceiving the world is not necessarily in alignment with the way that I was designed to experience life. Yeah. And and I'm not and so something internally is not operating according to manufacturer specs. <laughs> you got a look. You know what? Now you're diagnosing the buzz in a different way. Yes. <laughs> oh, th- thanks. Oh, I'm still diagnosing technical buzzing. You're still di- no matter what, you're still getting the technical buzzing. I love it. <laughs> well, it is like well, it is a vibration, right? I think of it as a vibration. You know, the check engine light is on. My guitar is out of tune, and this is where the idea of vibrations. If if anybody, you know, if you're listening and you play a guitar, you played an instrument, you can hear when the strings aren't in tune, and literally, you can hear a vibration. They don't vibrate. At, at, there's a sloppiness to the resonance. And boy, when you tighten it just right or you loosen it just a little bit, that goes away. And there is just a steady, steady hum 
of the, of the string, you know, so there's not this sort of weird, um, tone. And I think that is when we're sort of resonating to use that word, it's a great word that we're resonating. It means that there's this real steady vibration. Everything is in sync. It's tuned up. And when the check engine light comes on, it's not. And so going to your original question, how, you know, how do we handle this scenario? It is about the idea of like, okay, I recognize I'm not feeling good. So how does trade your expectation for appreciation? So one of the things that I've discovered, I haven't found any evidence to disprove this, but I heard it once. I've heard it several times. I have evaluated and so far I've not found any evidence to the contrary. But as far as I know, I can only feel one emotional state at any given moment in time. I can't both be depressed and filled with gratitude at the same time. I can't feel shame and feel unconditional love at the same time. Mm-hmm. I've just not been able to do that. So if I'm feeling what I might determine to be a negative or undesired emotional state, that means that I must be focused on something that I perceive not to be going well. Yeah. And that focus on that thing will draw from me more related to that thing. So when I say that, you know, trade my expectation of how I thought this scenario was going to go or what the results that I would get or how I thought this day was going to happen, this did not go according to plan. I'm recognizing that my check engine light has just come on. But you know what? Gosh, and, and I could always do this so far. Every single morning I wake up and I'm like, I I have the opportunity to say, wow, I slept through the entire night. Number one, what a gift that is, (laughs) the restoration. What a gift it is to have this amazing body that has this immune system that works most of the time in my favor and is fighting off anything that came up out of the day before, the toxins from stress and cortisol. But I love the fact that every single day so far for nearly 51 years, every morning when I wake up, The earth is still rotating around the sun precisely at the exact distance necessary to keep me from freezing to death or burning to death overnight. (laughs) So what a gift. I always, I come back to gravity. Yeah. I somehow put my feet down and I'm not stuck to the ceiling. Incredible. (laughs) And and the fact that, I mean, you and I are incredibly blessed in our our world today that, you know, the how much food is available to us. Yeah. I mean, the oxygen that's available to us, the, the fact that you know, there's just so much one can be filled with gratitude about. Yes. Now, granted, this could be a temporary solution at least to get you out of the fight or flight or to get you out of that high range beta. Exactly. And that's the key. That's the key. The key is to get out of the high range beta. And when you can start getting internally, you start having access to that prefrontal context or cortex. And that's when you can begin to reevaluate the previously undesired, unexpected circumstance. And you can begin to reframe what it means. And then there's a powerful question. What does this make possible? Yeah. Yes. That I mean, and that is that I think in terms of choosing your own adventure, coming back to the game, it's like that's what we have available to us, right? And all the skillful means, there are a thousand skillful means, and I encourage you to find yours, a thousand who's joining us today, a thousand skillful means to being able to choose 
that emotional pathway, right? How we want to feel in that moment. And you described a process, Cliff, again, you know, and just for momentarily seeing the appreciation that we can have, even when we're, even when we're experiencing not something that might not feel so good in the moment, how can we come to some level of appreciation? How can we come to some level of a deeper understanding and reframe that just to get us out of that? I call it kind of like being locked in the garage, you know, kind of just get us out of that for a minute. So I'm like locked in this cage of emotion. How can I get myself out of that just for a second so I can get access to the bigger way that I can show up, right? Have a different level of resonance and then go from there. So I'm always, you know, I mentioned this in our last show too, you know, I'm, I'm always intentional about being too high-minded with some of these things because I have seen how many of these concepts, and I want to, I want to asterisk this uh, right now on the show. I've seen how many of these concepts can be utilized in a less than healthy way for people. There are challenges. There are all of the very um, less than savory things that go on in our world. And this is for each individual to find their path with. I think that's the, that's the take home part of this too. It's for each individual to find their path. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate so much about you, Cliff, too, is your path. And it looks so different than my path. And yet when we talk about it, <laughs> there are these same threads that we keep pulling, right? We're finding them more and more. And I think in this day and age, we're able to find those threads more and more as well. But really looking at what's this, what's this whole mindfulness thing about? What are we really talking about? And why should we care? And I think that's the other part too. Why? Who cares if I can see myself as, you know, not as fixed as I thought I was? Who cares if I can go ahead? Yeah. It, it, who cares? So, so why should we care about mindfulness? And, and the, what came up for me as soon as you asked that, why, why should I care about mindfulness? Yeah, who cares? Mindfulness is my ability to choose my next move. Yeah intentionally yes not based upon what my third grade teacher said <laughs> or what some priest or preacher said or what you know the expectations of my audience has yep. but instead if i could be mindful in the moment and see that quite frankly my options in almost every situation are nearly unlimited they are unlimited and that's the great adventure <laughs> I think this is a perfect, a perfect time to wrap up the show. I think so. I think so. I think we got it. Well, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to do our outro right now because I'm going to play a little bit of music, but I don't have our outro tune up, but um, I do want to let everybody know that they can find us at our respective websites, cliffravenscraft.com and daphne-scott.com. And they can find the show at chooseyourownadventurepodcast.com. So you can find the show there and connect with us uh, on the show there. And we hope that you really enjoyed the show. I'm going to play this little outro music. What do you think? Sounds great. Hey, everyone, go be mindful and choose your own adventure. <laughs>